Welcome to Word for the Week, Season 2, Episode 17. Unity and diversity are buzzwords in the culture today. The New Testament speaks a lot about unity, but not so much about diversity. Join us today as we explore both words in the Bible. The New Testament is big on unity, but how about diversity? Yeah, it's uh, not very politically correct to leave out that word diversity, is it? No, it seems not. (laughs) And it's hard to discuss these two words without falling into political talk in some way. Yep, well, we're going to do our best, Kath, and (laughs) to avoid doing just (laughs) we'll see what happens. And uh, uh, how we ended up on this this whole thing really has nothing to do with politics anyway. It's with our Sunday series mm-hmm. on Acts 1, uh, chapter 8. So right. worth reading that just as a reminder. Right. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's Acts 1, 8. Acts 1, 8. And last week we talked about Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we, we implied it on the podcast, and of course, very much so in the sermon. So uh, we're moving from there, which is our immediate community into, uh, right. in most cases anyway, in some basic form, uh, off now into something a little broader. And uh, one thing it seems is that in community where the, you're usually talking uh, the opposite of diversity anyway, as it tends to be somewhat homogenous, especially here in the Midwest. Yeah. Well, growing up in Boston, let me tell you, we saw a lot of diversity. <laughs> okay. Um, and even though, like you say, in your area, I mean, it was urban, you know, an urban mm-hmm. connected, mm-hmm. suburban, and it was uh, very diverse. However, you'd have to say that even there, there was this type of unity or homogeny in the fact that you had places like Chinatown, Little right. Italy, right. people just naturally congregate with people who are the same as sure. them. It's a yeah. human dynamic. So. Yeah. And even so, the gospel is based on verses like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. The world. And there's no term that shoots diversity more than the world. Oh, yep, it <laughs> shoots diversity. It just exudes it. <laughs> Shouts, <laughs> yeah, shouts, shouts, diversity, uh, and and honestly though, that's what I was thinking too. Uh, Christianity, uh, in its ultimate form, in its pure form, is actually very positive social diversity. Yeah. And yet, in the New Testament, the word diversity uh, is really used twice, and even in that, one of them is negative. So, for all that we're saying it doesn't quite work out the way we expect in in Scripture. Right. Well, how about we start by defining the words like we usually do. I know you love your definitions. I love my (laughs) definitions. I I have a poster of George and Charles Miriam up there, those bad boys of diction up above our bed. So... (laughs) Um, Thankfully, you're not that bad. Yeah, no, that it would be kind of creepy, wouldn't it? Yeah, so, just a little bit. When we get married, that's the first thing that comes down. <laughs> uh, but I don't have a poster, but I do have a dictionary. So uh, mm-hmm. let's let's go ahead and let's look at a few definitions, especially as they fit in what we're talking about. Sure. Okay, starting with unity, a state of oneness, a con- condition of harmony, 
a totality of parts or a systematic whole. Yep, and uh, there's a few other things they throw in there, but uh, they fit well with us, right? Like hmm. for a state of oneness, that's the Christian concept. The the, the Trinity, a God is three persons in one. Right, you know, right. that's what it is. A, uh, a condition of harmony. There's supposed to be. That's what it's all about, a Savior. So we now have harmony again with God and mm -hmm. harmony with other believers. Yep. And a, a systemic whole fits with the whole idea of ecclesia. It's the assembly of the called out ones. That's what the church is. Right. So all those definitions fit. So Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, church uh, really makes his uh, defining focus uh, of the Christian faith in this way. So let's let's have you look at first a few passages of uh, Ephesians, see how that fits in with this whole idea of unity. Sure. Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Hmm. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Mm -hmm. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then in Ephesians four eleven through 14, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, mm -hmm. so that we no longer are children tossed to and fro by the wa waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Uh, right, and, and just so we're not saying uh, the... Uh the manifesto of unity is all from the book of Ephesians. Hmm. Let's round it out with something from Peter. All right, First Peter 3, 8 through 9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. For to this you were called, and you may obtain a blessing. Right. You know, it's really quite amazing. Like, if you take it, and if you strip it down to the descriptor words and put them all together, mm -hmm. you end up with unity being defined in this way. Unity in the calling, uh, unity in what makes uh, worthiness to the calling, unity that produces peace. Unity is a tool in equipping the saints. Mm -hmm. uh, unity is one of the first signs of spiritual maturity. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, unity is what uh, plays a part in keeping people from being tossed uh, tossed around by fake religion or by the schemes of other people. Right. Unity is the bond of faith that bonds together the minds and the hearts. So there's a lot of unity in all of that. And Ephesians speaks of one body, spirit, hope, Lord, faith, baptism, God and Father. That's that's a lot of unity. That's a lot of <laughs> unity. It's one, 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 one yeah. going on there. Yeah. And, and unity is this wonderful thing. But uh, I'm, I want to save us from falling into a kumbaya moment here. <laughs> yeah. Is that uh, unity, there, there are even uh, warnings uh, about unity. And one that is great is a, a 17th century scholar 
of the Anglican Church named Don uh, John Trapp uh, mm -hmm. wrote in his uh, he wrote these five huge commentaries on Scripture, mm -hmm. very renowned, very respected. And he wrote in his commentaries this comment about unity. He says, unity without verity is no better than conspiracy. Hmm. Now, we don't use that word verity that much anymore. Hmm. Uh, so just to give the meaning of it, it means a true principle or a true belief, especially one that's a, a fundamental in, in its importance and what you're believing hmm. So. That's a good point. If unity is centered around something that's wrong, right, it's worse than no unity at all. Exactly, and that's the strength of genuine Christianity. It's a special unity around a very special special principle. Yeah, it's a lot of us. I can't even remember uh, Pastor Bryce when he was there. He had a great saying. It says, "You can be sincere about something and be sincerely wrong." Yeah, and uh, and the fact with unity. It, what makes unity big in the New Testament is unity around something that is perfectly right. So, mm. But if unity is that important, that first great buzzword of our time, mm. uh, what happens with this word diversity, right? <laughs> if the Church of Christ is open to everybody, mm -hmm. it has to lead to diversity. Right. Or it wouldn't be truly open. Right. I mean, So that, it has to. Um, you know, so... Well, let's say we defined unity, right. and I find it if if we we got clarity by defining unity, I find mm -hmm. it fascinating to define diversity because huh. that's an even bigger buzzword in our culture. So uh, let's do that. Let's go back into my favorite hobby, <laughs> looking up definitions, right. and, and we'll start with just a general dictionary definition. Okay. The practice or quality of including or involving people from a range of different social and ethnic backgrounds and of different genders, sexual orientations, etc. For example, equality and diversity should be supported for their own sake. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, a definition in a general sense, and we can tell by reading the definition what we're really talking here is social diversity. No big surprise, but that's what we're talking about, right. social diversity. Right. So. Here was the brainstorm that I had. Is this, Well, there is a general definition. Why don't we look up a definition of social diversity by sociologists? sociologists. <laughs> hmm. Okay. This is from the Library and Information Science Network. Mm -hmm. What is social diversity in sociology? Social diversity. A successful community in which individuals of different race, ethnicity, religious beliefs, socioeconomic status, language, geographical origin, gender and or sexual orientation bring their different knowledge, background, experience and interest for the benefit of their diverse community. Right. And, and you know what? That's really a great definition for something that was abandoned in the last century is utopia. Yeah. Is the idea of all these different people coming together uh, to make this kind of perfect society. It sounds good. It sounds noble. Everybody would love it. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, even in the definition, starting to unravel a little bit in its thinking, isn't it? Right. And what are some of those things that are so basic to people are in conflict with each other? Exactly. <laughs> As And humans being what humans are, uh, that's what's going to happen. For yeah. example, 
uh, many religious uh, at the beliefs at their core values mm-hmm. uh, will have one concept uh, dealing with sexuality, and then you have a society of different people with, uh, for instance, sexual orientation that's mm-hmm. completely averse to those core values mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. And we see that going on big time. Or here's another one. Uh, the motive of one socioeconomic group may actually be at the expense of another. So, and right. <laughs> greed is pretty common. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what happens uh, in this wonderful uh, diversity situation when you end up with conflicts between core values? Yeah, and Proverbs says that wisdom is found in a multitude of counselors. So mm. we get the idea of diversity building up knowledge. But right. at the same time, it's very common for human knowledge to conflict with itself. And I, I would go a step... in conflict with itself. Well, yeah, well, and I go <laughs> a step further than that is that uh, even they go beyond conflict. Some, some um, ideologies are, are literally toxic to each mm. other. Uh, yeah. They're hostile to each other. Uh, so maybe that might be a reason that uh, one of the verses, we said we only found two, really, yeah. and that depends on your translation, right. uh, dealing with uh, diversity, that one of the two is actually framed in in the form of a warning. So, right, in uh, Hebrews 13, right. 8, 8 9, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Yep. And uh, the one thing I like more than looking up definition is looking up <laughs> Greek words. <laughs> yes. Someday I'm going to be one. Uh, but in the original <laughs> Greek, in this verse, uh, the the word actually, I, I skip it because I always want to try and say the word. And then, Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead and say uh, it. Well, uh, there will be two groups of people out there, wonder, one wondering why I'm trying to say it and the other wincing. <laughs> at the way I say it. So I'm just going to say there is a word okay. <laughs> in the original Greek. The one that is used here, strangely enough, as you as you um, just backing up on this, where it says, uh, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Right. That word actually references, uh, is a reference to color. As in, um, ah. that's the word uh, a, an ancient Greek would talk about. And here's something, you're the master gardener. <laughs> I'll let you explain what this is. A variegated leaves on a plant. So the word would mean variegated. So what is uh, what would be a variegated Instead leaf? Instead of a bl- blank green color, it has right. all variations or a couple of variations in color. Right, yeah. Especially... Uh, as we know, they usually start around the vein or around the edges. So right. that's right. a variegated leaf. Um, Some even would have pink. <laughs> yeah. And interesting enough, in the definition I looked at, it, it said the, the main color in a variegated leaf tends to be white on green. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, which you would know. But here's the point. <laughs> if you use it as a metaphor, you could say that the pure gospel is like this pure green leaf. 
Hmm. And then it's becoming colored from the edges even by something that is not the true gospel. Hmm. So, uh, you know, hmm. that's what the, it, it would become uh, a diversity in the teaching. And in this case, technically speaking, diverse is perverse because the word perverse actually means to to twist something. So hmm. twisting the truth. So uh, it, it's a very negative warning. However, uh huh. To be fair. To be fair. Diversity does get used in a positive way yes, in does. the second of the two verses that we found. Uh, yep. So I'm going to tell you. First Corinthians tell twelve me. four. Take me to there church. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So that was the other. Oh yeah, place. where do you find that? I said first Corinthians twelve four. Oh, did you? Yes. I turned it <laughs> Can't around. Tell. See, I wasn't even listening properly. That's shame okay. on me. Shame on me. <laughs> Uh, but what is interesting, as you read this, it's absolutely true. But uh, Greeks, as they are, used an entirely different word for diversity in this. This time it has nothing to do with color. Hmm. And I'm not really going to try and say this one because it's even harder than the other word. Uh, <laughs> what it has to do with is distribution between different people. Uh, 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 the word you use like at Christmas, if you were <laughs> giving gifts to all the children mm. and you were giving them different gifts, mm. this is this would be the word you would use. So it does mean distribution to different people, a division, a distinction, or a difference. Ah, well, so that fits the passage since Paul was talking about how different gifts are given to different people. In his, yeah, and first... I mean, it's, Perfect. <laughs> right. Well, in First Corinthians chapter twelve, yeah. that's what it's all about: is yeah. different gifts to different people. Here comes the really exciting thing. Hold on to your chair. Don't knock over your microphone. Is that <laughs> it comes back to unity because the subject of Paul here is the diversity of gifts. That's important in a church: the diversity of gifts mm -hmm. in the diversity of people. However, the focus is. All this diversity comes from the same, same. source. Yeah. So you're back to unity again. Well, and the thing is, humanity has a fallen nature, right? right. So how does that... How does it all fit together? Yeah. yeah. There we go. Now that's what we're asking. Uh, <laughs> well... Um, the way it fits in would be uh, this, because we're jumping around here in the script oh, dear, a little sorry. bit, but that's okay. <laughs> Both of us had a long day. We're mm. recording in, in, in the evening on this one. Well, human nature, you know, whether we like it or not, it has a natural bend to evil. Right. Uh, you know, that that is fallen nature. And if you don't believe it, I have a, a scientific test for a spiritual um, you know, idea. And that is simply turn off all your, your web protection, all your, your Norton or McAfee, whatever you're using, go on the, the internet for a while and watch how long before you end up infected with a virus or, or a scam. Actually, you could use your phone in that too. So yeah. it's pretty much a reality that we do have a bend towards evil. Even the best of us do. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah. And the whole idea of this dynamic in, in unity, um, not only do we have a bend towards evil that, that is averse to unity, mm -hmm. even when we're doing good. God says our goodness is like rags. Right. And it's true. As, as we look at anything we do, uh, even when it's good, it's, it's never perfectly good. Yeah, which leads to an interesting question. Right. What if we take diversity and look at it from a strictly human 
from strictly human thinking. Right. If we take it and look from a strictly human point of view, let's take God out of the equation. Well, we end up with imperfect human thinking. Yeah. Uh, and and so what happens, and, and we can look at it in our culture today, as things become brut- brutally political, uh, very divisive, mm-hmm. really quickly. Uh, if, for instance, in our culture, uh, I'm not so sure they use these words in other cultures, um, but we say left and right. You know, mm-hmm. people are on the left and people are on the right. And and uh, the, the real truth of it is, if you look according to Scripture, you take God out of the equation and one side is just as scary as the other side, yeah. just as wrong as the other side. So. Yeah, it really is. And we found this quote from C.S. Lewis that's right. really sobering. C.S. Lewis, yeah. <laughs> I have his poster, too. Okay, Cam. All right. If the divine, the divine call doesn't make us better, it will make us very much worse. Of all bad men, religious bad men are the worst. I always like to find that is all, a line. Yes, of all created beings, the wickedness, the wickedest, is one who originally stood in the immediate presence of God. And mm. that should pause you to think. Mm. Uh, yeah. So I mean, from the very beginning, and the idea that religious bad men are the worst of all. And, you know, yeah. I, I would say I just, you know, not to be cynical, but I I find that's more and more true every year that yeah, we, we so do sad. what we do. Yeah. Uh, and, and the truth is that if, if human beings are masters at anything, it seems to be we can take a wonderful sounding ideal uh, and then twist it and put it so far out of balance that the this... Um, this correction we come up with is worse than the thing that we originally tried to correct. And there's two natural paths that that are evolving to me in that way, dealing with human diversity in in our times today. And uh, I said not to get political, so (laughs) I'm not being political with this. I, I, I want us to look at this strictly from the human dynamic. Mm -hmm. This is how people, when we're left to our own, this is the way we tend to go. And these these two views on diversity that I'm looking at, one would be the woke movement. Mm -hmm. uh, And to get an idea of of what they say, how they feel about things, I thought we would go right to the culture itself. Have you read a, a, a little bit of an excerpt from an article in National World? Okay. Woke nowadays refers to being aware or well-informed in a political or cultural sense, especially regarding issues surrounding marginalized communities. It describes someone who was woken up to issues of social injustice. Merriam-Webster says stay woke became a watchword in parts of the black community for those who were, who were self-aware, questioning Questioning the dominant um, paradigm and striving for something better. Yeah, questioning the dominant paradigm, Mm. striving for something better. And it sounds noble, and it is noble in itself in that way. But even within the same article, uh, as the, the line of thinking goes, how about reading something we find a little bit further down in the article? Sure. In reality, the only thing that unites the woke is an intellectual curiosity about identity and how 
com complex, how nuanced, how rooted in disparate histories it can be. The real groupthink, the genuinely cohesive crowd, it's increasingly clear, is that of the anti-woke, the most weaponized identity of all. And, uh, and uh, I say once again, politics aside, no mm -hmm. matter where you're going, it's, this is a fascinating study on how human thinking by itself really goes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, you can be left or right, and you watch, this is the way we tend to be. We um, will think we're right. You know, we are right, no matter, um, you know, where we sit on a platform. And therefore, anybody who doesn't think like us and we'll look for wrong. them, they're <laughs> wrong. And if you're wrong, yeah. you are the enemy. Right. And then the purpose becomes to go and destroy the enemy. Right. You know, as C.S. Lewis pointed out earlier, even religious people can fall to this. And, you know, in Canada, we tended to use the word more liberal and conservative. Those were kind of the right. uh, the big words that we would use. But you can take somebody conservative and just disconnect them from God, but have a religious paradigm. And mm -hmm. man, they're as bad, if not worse, than anybody who's progressive, if we want to use that word. Right. So, yeah, it, it's amazing when we're left on our own and, and we become divisive in our own thinking. A second consequence that uh, in the human approach to diversity is something we've seen rising uh, alarmingly fast is critical race theory. Mm -hmm. Now, we've we've given the left side of the table a little bit of, so we'll move a bit to the right. These uh, And by the way, um, uh, for anybody who's watching this in the transcripts, we always have um, anything that that you could read further is always hyperlinked, mm -hmm. and you can click it right from the transcript. But I'm going to now, <clears throat> I'll apologize now, because to you and to the audience, I gave you uh, probably the longest reading ever <laughs> in, a brag in this. But the reason I did is because it is... Just have to have such, a sip of water. Yeah, take a sip of water, you know, um, uh, take your energy pills, whatever. But this is such a, a wonderfully concise description of the of critical race theory that uh, just by going through this, you get a, a pretty good idea of what it's all about. So um, okay. get comfy and, and read away. Critical theorists believe that societies, cultures, and civilizations are almost entirely social constructs. The most important question is who benefits? As James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose write, proponents of critical theory reject objective truth, reason, and empirical evidence. Instead, they assert that only identity and oppression matter. Society is divided according to whether one is a member of an oppressor or oppressed group or groups. Together, these twin principles of power and knowledge are undermining confidence in the foundations of liberalism, equality, universal universality, universality thank there you. You go. And, and individual rights. As a theory with intellectual roots in Marxism, it's not surprising that CRT and other critical theories view all Western values, including the nuclear family, religious freedom, and Judeo-Christian conceptions of morality as inherently oppressive. For example, CRT proponents reject American ideals such as equal treatment under the law or hard work because they view them as rooted in oppression. They see them as 
conduits through which privilege and power are projected throughout society. Since CRT adherents often regard opposing views as rooted in racism, discussion is not an option. They're prone to resorting to censorship and silencing critics. We see this often on college campuses, and its victims aren't just conservatives or people of faith. CRT is informing the training that many public school teachers receive and the curricula they are tasked with teaching children. Yeah, which to me is the scariest thing of all is that yeah. in the uh, some of the humanistic thinking is is being indoctrinated from the youngest age. It's who knows um, what our newest granddaughter is gonna. Yeah, I wonder if she'll her books. She'll, yeah, grow up thinking you know when her mother put diapers on her that she was being oppressed. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, basically. When we look at all the idea, when you're starting from this idea that it's all about diversity and you head into all these different directions, hmm. uh, for me anyway, it's you know I'm getting into thought, not just straight scripture here, but any of you whose uh, fundamental focus is in ways uh, that we are different, even if it tries to be positive about it, is inherently divisive. You're looking at the differences. Right. It searches out, and we see from what we've read, it searches out enemies uh, to its ideology as mm-hmm. part of that, and it will, and it will never build unity. It, it really, as we're watching it unfold even now, it never builds unity. It's it's only a new tyranny of a new factionalism that's going on. Yeah. Uh, God. On the other hand, as we were reading, takes diversity and uses it as a glue to build unity in our human thinking, especially you see in our current times, we take unity and fracture it with a wedge of diversity. Yeah, it's no wonder that scripture takes the, the approach that it does. It's unity that fosters a healthy approach to diversity. Otherwise... Right. The main focus, like you said, is just differences. It's the differences. Yeah. Yeah, unity can lead to healthy diversity. Um, a, a strong portion of diversity, uh, you know, inherently, how does it lead to unity? Right. Uh, unity is when we, we base our value on someone simply being a human being. There's the unifying right. force. doesn't matter That's if they're black or white or rich. The world. Yeah, right. The value is in the fact that they are simply human. Everything mm-hmm. else is, is, it becomes secondary to that. Yeah. And so all that we should, you know, there's unity, there's diversity. And surprisingly, like we said, uh, they're not uh, presented so equally within Scripture themselves. Yeah. So, you know, enough on unity. Let's unite <laughs> in the idea that we should highlight a song. <laughs> and our song as a theme song throughout our um, Sunday series right now and it's the commission song and it's written by Cain and sung by Canaan so yeah hope you enjoy it hope you enjoy it and uh, this is one version who knows we may have another one come up before the whole series <laughs> is done so we'll see you next time see ya
It's my time to go But before I leave Go tell the world about me I was dead but now I live I've gotta go now for a little while But goodbye's not the end Don't forget the things that I taught You can also catch our live stream on Canaan Community's Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.